today we are talking about just the simple little thing of anger, right? Here's the problem. How many of you are given to anger? Don't raise your hand. When I was a teenager, probably way before when I was a teenager, it just, I just kind of remember it from when I was a teenager. Blowing my temper was one of the biggest issues I think I had. In the grace of God, in his mercies in my life, that's not an issue in my life anymore. It's one of the ways that anytime the devil wants to question, have me question my own salvation, I can, I can easily look back and see growth in this area of life. Because I was the guy that would punch the wall when he got mad. All right, now how many of you are willing to admit you have punched a wall before when you got mad? All right, you know, that's like the dumbest thing in the world, right? I get mad. The only thing that's dumber is kicking the bed or something with your foot because then you're gonna break your foot and then you can't walk around or do anything. I, I still have, I have knuckles that are messed up from punching brick walls because I thought it was cool. You, look, I got mad and I made my knuckles bleed. How stupid is that? I mean, think about it. How dumb is it to inflict harm upon yourself because you couldn't control your own temper or your own will? So not only are you foolish in that you can't control your own temper, but then you do bodily harm to yourself to make up for that fact, and then you go around bragging about it like you're some kind of, of person that should be emulated. I'm a bad boy. I can punch a brick wall, and it didn't move. <laughs> I mean, we immediately recognize this issue in our lives, and we know that during those weeks, like the week before spring break, the week before Easter, the week before graduation with finals and all, we are stressed out, we have had too little sleep, we have been sick, and when you are stressed out or when you have not had enough sleep or when you are sick, that's when your nerves are stretched thin and the, the thinner they're stretched, the easier it is to pluck that angry cord and that temper just blows. Now there are some of you in the room that you can relate to where I used to be in my spiritual walk and you blow your temper. Let, let me just upfront say to you, you gotta get this issue under control. It is not attractive to anybody. You will be a bachelor to the rapture if you don't get this thing under control, all right? I'm just, nobody thinks a temper is a good thing, especially somebody that has to live with it. So it's not gonna help you. Then you go off into your job and you're working in your vocation that the Lord has called you to, that you're so well prepared for. And as an employee, you blow your temper and you get fired. You don't get the promotion because you can't even control your own temper. You, you don't get promoted and have a bigger platform for glorifying God because you can't conquer your own will. It's not as easy as we may make it sound, but we recognize this issue and so does culture. Culture talks about it in many ways. Losing your cool. Talks about allowing cooler heads to prevail. He's hot under the collar. In sports, when you lose your temper, you usually get a penalty or a foul. You get mad, you foul somebody, they go to the free throw line, the announcers say, well, he shouldn't have lost his cool. Well, that's really easy for you to do, Mr. Announcer. You're sitting on the sidelines and you can't play anymore because you're too old. These guys on the court are trying to win the game and they have lost their cool and they've blown it and we all recognize it and see it in intramural sports and otherwise when we get mad because we didn't get our way. We didn't win, the call didn't go our way, so the referee's immediately blind. We all live these things. We also know 
that the Bible says you can be angry and sin not. So we're not just talking about anger and righteous anger and anger that is against the things that are the wickedness and evil of the world. We're talking today about the quick-tempered, short-fused, uncontrolled anger that happens in all of our lives at moments. And some of you in the room, when I said I punched a wall, you're like, oh, that's horrible. But you're so passive-aggressive that you'd be better off if you just punched a wall and got over it because you're passive-aggressive for like a month with somebody. And at least, you know, if you, I'm just, don't hit a wall, all right? That's not the solution. Get your temper under control. That's the solution. So the main idea of the message is easy. It's quick. It's simple. It is this. A quick temper does not reflect the glory of God. I think we can all just say amen to that. We can be done and move. No, we're not done. I, I've got to take you through some verses. Here's the deal. A quick temper does not reflect the glory of God. But what does a quick temper reflect? What causes that? Think with me. So I think about my own life and my own experience and what caused me to have a quick temper. And generally it's when I'm focused on myself, my own selfish interest or my own self-identified plan. I want things to go this way, they're not going this way, so I'm gonna lose my temper about it. It's fueled by the fact that I didn't get my way. Self-absorption, pride. Perhaps the desire to get even or exact vengeance on somebody else. That generally is what would cause me to have an anger issue. Does that resonate with you? So now let's think about our God. Is God quick to get angry? Well, no. In fact, what God has shown us is the exact opposite, that he is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, not willing that any should perish. He sent his son to this earth, and Jesus, while on this earth, was lied about, spit upon, slapped around, stripped, hung on a cross. If he had gotten angry during those moments and wanted to call down angels to totally obliterate the earth, he could have easily done it, but instead he had a bigger, larger purpose in mind, which was his grace and his mercy towards us. So aren't we thankful that God was slow to anger? So here's point number one. I'll give you a couple of verses for it. A quick temper is foolish. A quick temper is foolish. All right, here's your first verse to back that up. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17. It says this. We have it for you on the screens. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. And a man of evil devices is hated. A quick-tempered person acts foolishly. What do you do when somebody acts foolishly? You shake your head. You look at them with this expression like, come on, man, what, what are you doing? Perhaps you laugh at them. Because you recognize. Perhaps you recognize that you once used to be like that and how it accomplished absolutely nothing and so now you see somebody with this quick-tempered flare-up, this quick-tempered bomb that explodes, and you look and you say, this is foolishness. But we know, and sometimes we even justify in our own actions or in our own culture, this don't-mess-with-me attitude. But this doesn't reflect God. It's not long-suffering. It's not righteous anger. It's not the judgment of the Lord. This is just rash, ill-thought-out, poorly-conceived responses to something we don't like. So it happens. And the guy throws the basketball at somebody else. And he gets a technical foul. And the other team gets more points, and they get the ball, and everybody says, you shouldn't do that. 
the guy gets personal foul in football. And everybody talks about the 15-yard penalty that you just can't do that. He comes over to the sidelines and the coach grabs him by his face mask and he pulls this big guy that's much taller than him in by his face mask and begins to say words we can't repeat in Cedarville's chapel and lets him know in a very vocal way, you can't do that. We even recognize it in this world and we look at it and it's foolish. We see two guys line up for a fight. They're about to go get in the cage and they're about to go fight, but they can't even get to the cage to wait to fight because they're in a way in yelling at each other, spitting at each other, slapping each other around, doing all sorts of things. And everybody's just watching like, come on, this is just dumb. What are you people doing? You've seen it. You've gone to an Ohio State football game, some other football game. Somebody in the stands has had a few too many to drink. They haven't thought about Bud Weiser yet. And so... They're sitting in the stands and they've had a few too many and all of a sudden a call doesn't go their way, way down on the field. And there's another fan that cheers. And all of a sudden this fan wants to make something of it with this fan. Because that fight in the stands is really gonna have an effect on the football game that's happening down on the field and the referee's calls, right? And both of them go to jail. Foolishness. And we laugh about it. Yet how often do we do it? Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Now, notice this is the contrast. So this could support our next point that we're going to get to eventually, but whoever has slow to anger has great understanding. So what's the opposite of being slow to anger and having understanding? But he who has a hasty temper, a quick temper, exalts folly. A quick temper is foolishness. Slow to anger or patience actually means to relax the face. Now, you understand what this means, especially if you had a dad who could get not unreasonably angry, but angry with you at times when you did things that were really foolish in life, or if you're just like me and you're an intense person. Because when I'm playing video games, I get a furrowed brow because I've got to beat the video game, and that's really important, right? But you see somebody, and they have this furrowed brow with these lines that are between their eyes, and it immediately lets you know that there's a nonverbal communication, that there's a problem. And then their eyes grow even closer together, and their posture changes, and if they're really intense or angry, red begins to creep up on their face, and if this really, really bad, there's a vein either on the side of the temple or the side of the neck that begins to pulse as though it's going to jump out of the skin. So this word here, slow to anger, means relax the face. It means to go from that I am furious with you attitude of nonverbal communication to relaxing of the furrowed brow to more of a smile to a body language and posture which is more open. Whoever is slow to anger or can relax a face has great understanding. Do you want to be in the category of great understanding or the category of exalting folly? He who has the hasty temper, he who has the quick fuse, this is the person that exalts or holds forward or holds up to display for all of the world to view or to promote folly. It literally means short of spirit. It's the short-fused, quick-tempered person. So we think about our own world. 
We think about the Old Testament. We think about the Lord who put up with the children of Israel and all of their repeated sinfulness. We think about the Lord who put up with the Ninevites. And in fact, Jonah's issue is he knows that the Lord is slow to anger. So he doesn't want to go and let them see repentance. He doesn't even want to preach repentance to them because he doesn't like them. And then he gets mad when he doesn't get his way. And then we think about our own lives. And how often it is that we rebel in our foolishness and our sinfulness and our wickedness against the God who loves us and died for us on a cross. And we thank God that we have a God that is slow to anger, merciful, that is not a quick for vengeance or wrathful God in that sense of the word. But we also need to know that meek, being slow to anger, patient, meek, does not mean weak. We'll come back to that. Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Are you always mad at someone? Do you always, in every one of your relationships, have drama? If in every one of your relationships you have drama, what's the common denominator? That might be the problem. If you are always frustrated, because you can't have a relationship without drama, perhaps you need to look in the mirror and realize who's causing the drama. If you're given to wrath, if you're quick-tempered, if you have anger, it stirs up strife. And one who is given to anger causes much transgression. In other words, to put this another way, a person given to anger has conflict in those horizontal relationships and transgressions in his vertical relationship. If you are a person that's always mad, always angry, always popping off, always saying things, then you're going to have a problem with your friends around you because nobody likes to be treated that way. Your temper, your quick temper is not a trophy to put on a shelf. It's not a badge of honor to be worn. It's a hindrance. It is, it is a chain that is holding you back. None of your friends like the fact that you have a quick temper if you have it with them. Nobody wants to be around somebody that just snaps at them all the time. And so you have horizontal conflict. But then this verse says, transgressions in vertical relationships. Think about it. What does your temper lead to? It leads to thoughts that are not godly. Words that are not godly. Harsh words. Talking about somebody. Perhaps if you're passive aggressive, talking about them behind their back. Insulting them. Overstatements. Insults. Not loving your neighbor well. Being rude, cruel, oppressive. Perhaps you get mad, you lose your temper, you use bad words, you curse, you take God's name in vain. None of those things are acceptable. The harsh word, even in tone and body language, sends a message of dislike, distaste. And then you wonder, why do I have conflict in my horizontal relationships? Eleanor Roosevelt said it this way, anger is one letter short of danger. Benjamin Franklin said, anger is never without a reason, but seldom with a good one. We justify our anger too. We have a reason for it. It's just not a good reason. There really isn't often a good reason. Point number two, a slow temper is good. So a quick temper is foolish. A slow temper is good. Basic points. Basic truths, incredibly difficult to implement in our lives on a consistent basis. A quick temper is foolish. A slow temper 
is good. Proverbs 16, 32 says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. This is an incredible verse. Think about what this verse is saying. Walk through what this verse is indicating to us from the book of Proverbs. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Who, who is the mighty? Well, the mighty is clarified in this second portion of this proverb, which restates the first portion. He who rules his spirit, then he who takes a city. The mighty is the warrior, it's the soldier who takes a city. In this day and time, the ability to protect yourselves against others was safety. It was to ensure that you would exist. It was to have security. And so here, what this is saying is better than the mighty military hero who conquers other opponents against their will or conquers other nations against their will. This verse is saying the one who is slow to anger is better. What's the restatement of slow to anger? He who rules his spirit. So your inner sinful nature, your flesh, it wells up in you and you have been wronged and it's time for you to react and explode and all of a sudden you control that spirit within. And the person who rules that spirit within is mightier than the military hero. This is an astounding statement. It takes greater discipline to control your own spirit. It takes greater sustained control to discipline your own thoughts, your own actions, and your own will. And that person is characterized as better than the mighty hero. We see this lacking in our society today this self-control. We look out at our world and we look out at our leaders and we look out at business leaders and cultural leaders and politicians and everywhere and we look out and there are many times we just shake our heads. You are living a generation that has a firsthand seat through Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all of the TV stations to what it looks like to not be able to control your own words and your own actions and your own thoughts and we shake our heads at it. And we say, how in the world is it that you just can't put Twitter down? Or you just can't stop acting like a middle schooler, calling people names, saying I'm gonna go beat you up. I mean, haven't we outgrown this? Where's statesmanship? Where, where's maturity? Where's discipline? Where's the Christian worldview, the Christian character in modern society on display? So we look at this and we learn and we respect our leaders and we pray for our leaders and we pray for the flourishing of our society and we do the things we're called to do, but we don't overstep that line and endorse leaders publicly for things they're doing that's foolish and stupid and ungodly. We can't do that. We live as those in a generation that were called to fall under the proper authority of our culture but recognize and see it on the TV and know that this is not the way you're supposed to live life. This is not what success is supposed to look like and the foolishness that we see going on is not something that you should be emulating. 
Let's be better than that. Let's have self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit living within us as believers. Let's make sure that we give to the power of the Holy Spirit and put to death those deeds of the flesh so that we don't stand up and look foolish like others look foolish, that we may be the meek who will inherit the earth, certainly not the weak because controlling your own spirit takes work and effort and power and the warrior attitude for all of your life. It is not easy, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do it. We see in Proverbs 19, 11, it says, good sense makes one slow to anger. This just seems basic. It's just common sense. It's just good sense makes one slow to anger. And it restates it. It is his glory to overlook an offense. So what's the good sense restated? It's his glory. Slow to anger. What is it that makes you angry in this particular verse? It's to overlook an offense. So somebody has wronged you. They have done something that is not right and it legitimately is not right. It's your glory to overlook it. Not to get angry about it and take out vengeance because vengeance belongs to the Lord. It's not for us. It's not our place. Solomon repeatedly underscores this through the book of Proverbs. He repeatedly says that an angry man has a sorrowful soul. He says in Ecclesiastes 7:9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the heart of fools. So we see it. There are two points. A quick temper doesn't glorify God. A quick temper is bad. A quick temper exalts foolishness. A long temper, slow to anger. It's wise, it's good. It reflects the glory of our God. So Proverbs has these verses that I just couldn't figure out how to fit under another point. I, I just couldn't figure out how to make it easy with three points and a poem and all that type of stuff. And so I've got some application section here for you from some of the verses of Proverbs that I think we need to look at briefly as we roll through this. Do not learn the ways of angry people. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says this to us. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Now, I put this as don't learn the ways of angry people. Does this mean if you have a friend who gets angry, you can't be friends with them anymore? That might be a very lonely life in some circles. So I think what we're being cautioned against in this particular Proverbs is don't learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. And you understand this. If you are always around somebody with a short fuse, when the bomb goes off, you become the collateral damage. You go out with them somewhere, they bow up, say things, get mad, start a fight. All of their buddies are there too. So what are you then into? You're going to jail with them. Man, why do you have to do that? The companion with somebody with a short fuse often is the collateral damage. Recognize that a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's look at Proverbs 15, 1. You've got it on the screen there. This is an amazing verse as well. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer will turn away wrath. Wrath is the hottest form of anger. It's the white hot anger. It's the out of control anger. But a soft answer can turn away even wrath. But one harsh word, singular, a word, a harsh word can stir up anger. So when the anger is already present and is fuming, a soft answer can calm it down. But a harsh word in response can cause even a mild anger to flame up. 
We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 25 when we have Nabal and Abigail. David sends his men. He's been protecting the sheep. He sends them to Nabal, and he, he wants for him to share in the feast, and Nabal turns him away, and, and David gets angry, and, and David's going to go destroy him. One of the servants tells Abigail what Nabal did. Nabal, whose name actually means folly. Nabal, the name associated with folly, one who has folly. And Abigail, the discerning one, 1 Samuel 25, verse 3, goes to meet him with the feast prepared and turns away his wrath. When Abigail tells Nabal about it, Nabal's heart turns to stone, he dies. Abigail eventually ends up with David. You see it there. Don't start something you can't stop. Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. The beginning of strife is like letting out of water. In my mind, I picture the dam with the hole and you put your finger in the hole and another one pops out. You put your finger in the hole and another one pops out. And you put your finger in the hole and you can't stop it. It's the river where the rocks have stopped the water and you move one rock and all of a sudden the water begins to flow and then the rocks are gone and you can't control it. It says, so quit. Just quit. What does the word quit mean? Leave it alone. Walk away. Stay away from it. Hear both sides of a story. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Now, I put this one in with anger. It's a little bit of, of an awkward fit, but often what happens to us is we hear one side of a story, we get furious, and then we hear the other side of the story and the explanation comes and we go, oh, if I had only known that, before I lost my temper. So a good principle is just hear both sides of the story. This applies to the legal system. This applies to good parenting. This applies to friends. This applies to if you're teaching and you have kids who have an argument in a classroom. This applies to administration or leading or running a business. This applies to everything, including life here at Cedarville. Somebody calls me. I can't believe this happened in a classroom. Well, then I've got to go find out what happened in the classroom because there's two sides to every story. You can't just react off of one side or the other. Listen to both sides. The Lord is slow to anger, so we should be. Now, perhaps I've proven to you that a quick temper is folly from the book of Proverbs. So let me overwhelm you with some quick evidence about how the Lord is slow to anger. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And forget this part, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Nehemiah 9, 17, the second part of that verse, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. Psalm 86, 15, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 103, 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Joel 2, 13, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and he relents over disaster. Jonah 4, 2, he prayed to the Lord and he said, oh Lord, this is not what 
Is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Nahum 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. We move to the New Testament to read James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So what's our main idea for the day? A quick temper does not reflect the glory of God. A quick temper focuses on wrongs committed against us, our self-interest, our desire for our own way, our pride, or our desire to exact vengeance. The very thing God has not done as he is merciful, gracious, slow to anger. Dear Lord, we come to you today and we ask that you would help us. As there are many times in life where we get angry and we are quick to get angry. Lord, that you would help us to recognize the foolishness of our own anger. That you would help us to trust that your word is true. That one day, Lord, you will put all things in order. That you will take vengeance when vengeance is needed. That you will do what is just and what is right. And that we don't have to do that in and of ourselves because we trust you. So Lord, help us to reflect your glory by being meek, by being forgiving, compassionate, loving, and by being slow to anger. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.